Thank you for tuning in to The Rate Stuff. I'm your host, Lisa Rate, former cabinet minister in Stephen Harper's government from 2008 to 2015. I'm here now at CIBC Capital Markets, and in this podcast, I'm going to share insights on current hot topics in the areas of public policy, politics, and business with some guests along the way. Hello, and welcome back to The Rate Stuff, where we talk about the intersection of public policy and politics. Now, I have somebody well-versed in both public policy and politics from a little bit ago, though, with me today to discuss something that she and I are working on together called the Coalition for a Better Future. I'm so pleased to have with me Anne McClellan, the former member of parliament from Alberta, former minister, former deputy prime minister, lots of formers, but currently a uh, fantastic director and also a senior advisor at Bennett Jones. Hi, Anne. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good to see you. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We've been spending a lot of time with each other lately. We have. That's a good thing. It's been great. And I'm wondering, just before we start, we're actually recording this the morning of the cabinet shuffle or the announcement of the new cabinet. Just really quickly, just to give a flavor, what's your memory of your first time being sworn into cabinet? Well, my my first time, I did not know I had won my election until the night before the cabinet swearing in. I was holed up in a hotel in Ottawa waiting, and I thought the PM, Mr. Kretchen, had made another decision because you can only wait so long as prime minister. But I got the call at 11 o'clock Wednesday night, the cabinet was sworn in on a Thursday, that Mr. Kretchen had waited and that I was going to be the Minister of Natural Resources, show up at the gates of Government House by 9.30. And I mean, the whole thing was a blur. And honestly, you would remember as well, you know, your first swearing in, your first cabinet position. It's a combination of just being scared and wondering whether you can do the job, but also great anticipation and, and you know, awe on a way walking up that driveway. Yeah, it's so true. And my first swearing in, I had my kids with me. They were seven and four at the time. I'm trying to wrangle them as we get out of the car. And Rosemary Thompson grabs my seven-year-old, not physically, but she gets his attention and interviews him for CTV before we go in. And I'm thinking, thank goodness my kid does not know how to say Anarchan, because that was my first <laughs> portfolio as well, too. Oh, right. Yeah, of yeah. course. No. Ironically, we now have Rosemary Thompson working with us on Coalition for a Better Future, which is pretty exciting. So absolutely, which is great. Since you've raised the coalition, which is about 110 organizations from uh, all across the country, Rosemary, I call her the coalition wrangler going forward in the best sense of that word, in that we have this big group of people from all organizations from all over the country, and we want to keep them together, keep them talking to each other, sharing their aspirations so that we can get momentum behind an economic growth agenda. She does. So if I were to ask you, what's the elevator pitch on what we're trying to accomplish as a coalition for a better future? I think to build momentum behind a strategy that focuses on economic growth, which will in turn ensure shared prosperity. And the two words, shared and prosperity, are equally important. Yeah, I agree with you. For me, 
the reason why I, well, I agreed to get involved because of the fact that uh, you were involved and we'd worked previously together on, I thought, a very exciting initiative. Yeah, very much so. It was deliberative democracy. But the real reason for me was I watched two elections go by. I was involved in one, not involved in the second, and they just seemed very transactional. And it all seemed to be focused around just getting the the hearts and the vote of the Canadian taxpayer with with minor, if not smaller than minor uh, tweaks to a system in order to help them feel a little bit better and really lack a vision from all the parties, mine included, in terms of what economic growth would look like. So I'm hopeful that what we come out of this with is at least some kind of, you said momentum, but as well, just a gravity and a realization that this is an important thing. And maybe some encouraging governments and business and civil society to think about what is that long-term coherent plan. Now, the plan will change over time. Look what's happening geopolitically. No plan is static, but you have to have the frame and you hope that the frame doesn't change every 18 months or even with a change of government, right? You hope that that frame is one that people can count on for at least, you know, a decade. Let's say climate change, if we're going to meet our targets, that plan can't change every 18 months, two years, or even in every four-year election cycle, because business is making big long-term investments, right, to capture GHGs, to apply, to implement green technologies. And if governments at whatever level keep changing their incentives and targets, it makes it very hard for good capital deployment and reaching those targets that we all all hope the world reaches. So I think the coalition is about saying we we have a shared outcome here, right? And in fact, the poll that uh, we did of our coalition members, Lisa, spoke to the fact that at least that big frame, the issues that would be part of that bigger frame are pretty clear. There's a huge Oh, well, there's a very high level, 97%, I think it was, Lisa, of agreement around the fact that the three top issues for all of us going forward, economic growth and employment, inequality, and climate change, right? So treat those issues as the big frame. They would be an important part of a framework. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the poll, the survey that we did with coalition members. Can you give us a sense as to what the other things were that we did in order to build to the conference? This isn't just about having a conference and a lot of talking heads. There's been a lot of effort put in so far. It's different than what you're anticipating, I think, if you're listening in. Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, you and I participated in five regional roundtables organized by the Public Policy Forum. And those roundtables were deliberately organized to feed into uh, both the summit, but to feed into uh, the knowledge base for the coalition and for all of us. We, in fact, uh, surveyed all of our coalition members, not only in terms of those top issues, but in terms of their overall thinking about what they think is missing, what we need to help drive economic growth going forward. We also put together a scorecard. Yes, absolutely, which will be announced or released uh, Thursday afternoon with a statement of principles. Yeah. And that scorecard yeah. we worked on 
very hard, actually, and yeah. looked at what scorecards uh, have developed into in other parts of the world. So it's not a traditional scorecard where you've only got per capita GDP and, um, you know, things like that, productivity gains or not. This scorecard is going to speak to quality of life issues, mm -hmm. standard of living issues, as well as traditional scorecard metrics. And we yeah. are going to track those metrics over the coming years, right? We are going to hold people responsible and accountable, and uh, we are going to evaluate on an annual basis whether those metrics are being met by all of us as a country. And some of those metrics will belong to the private sector. Some of them will belong to governments. Some of them will belong to civil society. For example, the nonprofit sector. And some of them will focus on, for example, education and who's in the workforce and who isn't. And that speaks directly to inclusion and equality. So, you know, I hope people see the scorecard and think that we have captured those big pieces that we will need to be working on to get the economic growth we need. Yeah. In the Nova Scotia-based roundtable that was held, I thought there was a very interesting comment made, which is Canadians are ready to read statistics because look at what happened during COVID. Everybody understood the numbers. They understood the ICU beds. They understood the percentages. They understood efficiencies of vaccines. So Canadians are, they can do this work. Um, we just got to provide them the information on a continuous basis. And that's the goal, right, is to reach through the politicians to the people so that people will start having conversations about economic growth themselves. The one last thing I wanted to mention, and the interesting part about the coalition to me as well, was not a directive, but a wish that the table stakes of coming in was that you put aside your own advocacy in order to think about what the bigger picture is. Do you think we succeeded in, in getting people to do that? I think so far, I'm cautious here. I think we'll see coming out of the economic summit where, in fact, some of our coalition members will be putting forward their views, their aspirations. Uh, we've got a number of case studies from various coalition members doing interesting, exciting things across the country. I think we'll see. I think to a large extent, yes, the goodwill is there. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows how important this is and everybody wants to put aside their shorter term specific self-interest to mm -hmm. talk about the national interest and what is uh, going to be required for all of us to share in prosperity and succeed going forward. And, you know, it will be too, Lisa. It's going to be a really important exercise, almost an experiment. Mm -hmm. It is an experiment because nobody has done this before, as far as we can tell, to see coming out of the conference and the scorecard, whether we can keep talking and working as a coalition and pushing and keeping the momentum building around the scorecard metrics. And that is going to be a challenge. And at times, as I've already said, it might be a little messy, but we shouldn't be afraid of that. I think you always talked about the fact that it's important for coalition members to talk to each other and talk past 
you know, elected officials at whatever level. And it's not that you don't talk with elected officials. Of course you do. But the coalition can be powerful by talking to each other and then talking to their members, talking to people who live in their communities about why this matters. Yeah. There have been a number of really good, solid reports that the government has commissioned over the years. No question about it. But in each and every case, the audience was the government and the members of our coalition would have made submissions to the government on their own. And in this case, there's no government to present to. We're presenting to each other and trying to come up with a plan forward that Canadians can buy into as well as the government can buy into. Yeah, I would say presenting to each other and to interested Canadians, right? And we would hope to build that group of Canadians. Sometimes, you know, you talk about economic growth, or if you talk about productivity, people say, okay, what you're really asking me to do is work harder for less, right? That's why productivity is a word that not a lot of people out there embrace and uh, want to talk about. Yeah, I think you ended it perfectly there. So let me just do a closing question. Sure. So the summit is happening on Wednesday, starting at 1.30 in the afternoon, Eastern Time. There's going to be people both in person, but people can tune in as well. Right, Anne? Absolutely. Yes. And we have hundreds of people joining us virtually, Lisa, but there's always room for more. I guess that is one of the benefits of the virtual world. We can have people, we can have hundreds, thousands of people, and not only from Canada, but from around the world. So we would encourage anybody who wants to join us virtually, please register. It's free. And the other thing I would say, I'm not sure whether we have any spaces left in uh, the conference center in Ottawa. But please, people in and around the Ottawa region, for sure, if they'd like to register and come in person, please check and see if there's still room. Absolutely. And the website is canadacoalition.ca. And as well, we encourage you to tune in, if only to hear these amazing speakers. We're kicking it off with Carolyn Wilkins, who is going to be making the case for economic growth and why it's important to our country. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm really pleased, Anne, that uh, we're partnered up on this again. Two Nova Scotians, although they think we're from Ontario and Alberta, we'll, we'll just keep that undercover. Thanks for joining us, Anne. Thanks so much, Lisa. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, if you have any questions or comments or even requests on topics to discuss, drop me a line at lisa.rate at cibc.com. Your interactions actually will make this better. I'm your host, Lisa Raitt, and this has been The Rate Stuff. I'll talk to you next week. The materials disclosed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and subject to our code of conduct as well as IROC rules. The information and data contained herein has been obtained or derived from sources believed to be reliable without independent verification by CIBC Capital Markets and to the extent that such information and data is based on sources outside CIBC Capital Markets, we do not represent or warrant that any such information or data is accurate, adequate, or complete. Notwithstanding anything to the contrary herein, CIBC World Markets Inc. and or any affiliate thereof shall not assume any responsibility or liability of any nature in connection with any of the contents of this communication. This communication 
education is tailored for a particular audience and accordingly this message is intended for such specific audience only. Any dissemination, redistribution, or other use of this message or the market commentary contained herein by any recipient is unauthorized. This communication should not be construed as a research report. The services, securities, and investments discussed in this report may not be available to nor suitable for all investors. Nothing in this communication constitutes a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any specific investments discussed herein. Speakers on this podcast do not have any actual implied or apparent authority to act on behalf of any issuer mentioned in this podcast. The commentary and opinions expressed herein are solely those of the individual speakers, except where the author expressly states them to be the opinions of CIBC World Markets Inc. The speakers may provide short-term trading views or ideas on issuers, securities, commodities, currencies, or other financial instruments, but investors should not expect continuing analysis, views, or discussion relating to those instruments discussed herein. Any information provided herein is not intended to represent an adequate basis for investors to make an informed investment decision and is subject to change without notice. CIBC Capital Markets is a trademark brand name under which Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, CIBC, its subsidiaries and affiliates provide products and services to our customers around the world. For more information about these legal entities, as well as the products and services offered by CIBC Capital Markets, please visit www.cibccm.com.